Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And welcome to episode 218 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Gray! Hello! How are you doing? I am good. It has been another long while since I've been on, but I am in my post-teacher world now. I am no longer a teacher, and I am loving it and enjoying it. I think it's understandable why you had some time off this time around, because you've been settling into a new job, so, you know, that's fine. I have been watching a bit, but surprisingly, um, not being a teacher anymore has also unleashed a bit more of a social life. So I've been (laughs) seeing a lot more people and going out a little bit more and having like extended coffees and and so my tv watching surprisingly is down a little bit but i still have had time to watch a few things um so i recently finished just off of my little bucket list i finished um life in pieces which we now know is the final season yes um, that was a i really liked that it was just a nice little antidote it had a, a crossover between like a modern family um and almost like a, a friends type thing where you yeah. had all these characters and they went through different things and you got to see their story and I liked it. It was nice, harmless comedy. It's such a shame that's gone. Yeah. Um, I also finished Divorce with Sarah Jessica Parker. That was a, a really good ending to the season. It was quite like a cyclical story. I think that's gone as well, isn't it, Dave? I think they've stopped that. Or is there going to be one more? I can check that for you. Uh, yes, that has gone as well. Yeah. So again, I like that ending. Uh, then I finished Glow. I binged Glow in a day. So this is my wow. new non-teacher life. I sat down one Sunday and I basically binged it because, you know, I can do that now. Um, and I felt proud of myself. Uh, it wasn't the greatest season, but again, I liked what they did to it. I liked their storyline and where they went with it. A nice little um, ending to that season two. Um, and also Queer Eye, which I, I did over a series of days when I was um, sort of setting up for my new job, a sort of that little gap in the middle where I was uh, sort of getting ready. That was on in the background where I sort of sorted my life out a little bit. Um, yeah. I've started watching even, you know, I'm, there's a difference between starting started watching and still watching i'm slowly working on the boys i'm about three episodes into the boys love it it's really good very different yeah. um i do want to watch it faster but again it's just i'm 
been quite busy. Um, I'm watching Ransom. I now know that's going to be the final season. I think I've got about three episodes left to that go out on Universal. That's me loving a procedural every now and then. Um, <laughs> And a bit slow to the game, but um, I've started watching The Society. Um, it's sort of like become a little habit for me and a friend was sort of watching The Society together. But I've started watching, because that's not enough, um, A Confession. I watched that last week. It was on ITV. Yes. Um, and Martin Freeman, based on a true story. And it's good, nice little twist at the end, but the twist being put in when you know it's all a true story, there's a, there's a fine line between reality and drama. Right. Where the makers of the program are clearly trying to make it a drama that they want their audience to come back to. But um, we we do know the outcome, but they're trying to make it in a dramatic way. I like it. I like Martin Freeman. and I love Siobhan Finneran, who plays the mother of the, the girl who's gone missing you, anyone who's not watched it. But it's definitely a nice ITV1 drama that, you know, is going to pull in the audiences. I've done half an episode of Jack Whitehall's Travels with My Father, which was dropped on Netflix last Friday. And I was actually on a train while I was watching it and I found myself laughing out loud. So that's a really positive <laughs> sign. Yes. A really interesting opening to the first season where he takes his dad to try out naked yoga. Yes, and- there have been clips of that floating around all over the place oh, today. Yes. It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, and then I know you don't watch it, Dave, but yes. everyone's favourite autumn warmer is a Great British Bake Off. Yes, um, it's back, yes. Yeah, straight into it. And I know you've not seen it, but it, they're just hitting their 10th anniversary. So this is a sort of a special episode. So they did a baker's dozen. They put an extra contestant in to start, uh, which means there's going to be some drama in the, along the way because they're going <laughs> to vote out two people in one week. And Dave, that is uh, yes. nail-biting stuff. Um, uh, I have watched a couple of films. Um, haven't got to the cinema as much as I'd like to but um after watching toy story 4 which was obviously very nostalgic and nice and happy me and my friend decided to explore netflix and we found a little gem red sea diving resort which is a uh, chris evans film okay and it was released earlier this year on netflix so it's all very much under the radar and it's based on a true story and uh, you know sometimes i struggle with those sorts of things yeah. i don't think i'm going to enjoy this but it was a really really good film i enjoyed it it wasn't amazing. It wasn't, you know, a five-star epic thriller, but it was just a really well-told film. Chris Evans comes across really well. You've got um, Michael Kenneth Williams is in there as well. Um, you've also got a bit of unknown people, but also some well-known people. Greg Kinnear appears oh, in yes. it. Oh, yeah. um, yes. you also got Alessandro Nivola. Uh, he's pretty new on the scene, but he, he comes across really well as his character, Sammy. Um, and I just love the interplay between the characters. And if anyone wants to see it, it's absolutely true story. It's about... Um, setting up a hotel in Sudan to try and get refugees out. Um, the Jewish refugees from Ethiopia are trying to get them to escape Sudan in 1979. It's fascinating that it was a true story. Wow. That there was this hotel on, on, the, on the Red Sea that they turned into a diving resort and the spies or the, the agents pretended to be the staff of the hotel. Right. Uh, fascinating stuff please if anyone wants to look at a gem go there that sounds um, good i'm gonna surprise you dave yes. i've been playing a video game oh my god I, <laughs> I know this is very unlike me but uh, my friend has a nintendo wii and we always play mario kart because that's the only game i can really handle and then he went and got 
Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. <laughs> right. And so I started playing that. And a one afternoon literally went by where we probably spent about three and a half hours playing to try and get to a certain point. And I was like, what's happening to me? I'm playing a video game. <laughs> but, you know, it was Nintendo. And therefore, um, um, and then Marvel Universe. And so it's very much a, an easy entry. But I don't know, have you played Alliance 3, The Black Order? Or? Uh, I, I haven't. Uh but uh, bless you, you got the name of the console wrong because you called it Nintendo Wii Switch. and it's Nintendo Switch. Switch. Oh, that's so, so close. So, so you know, you, you're still still maintaining that level of not really <laughs> understanding video games, which is great. But uh, no, I've not played it. I know Matt plays it quite a lot, I think. So uh, yes, I, it's not one that I've tried. I have a Switch. I don't use it anywhere near as much as I probably should do. It's around somewhere. But I'm far more of a PC gamer than I am a console gamer. So, you know. But that's me playing games if you could go back and edit the word we for switch it would make me sound much more <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'm leaving that in <laughs> anyway uh dave what have you been up to in the, the oh, i've heard of the what you've been watching since i haven't been on but what have you done in the last week last week i did uh, the loudest voice which stars russell crowe although you not really recognize russell crowe he's playing the founder of fox news essentially uh or the person that was brought in to run fox news by Rupert Burdock. He he got fired under a very large cloud uh, and subsequently died, which is not giving anything away because they open with his death. So, you know, okay. uh, that's fine. There was a lot of sort of sexual harassment stuff going on around him. And uh, it's a really interesting look at them building Fox News, which I mean, of course, as I'm sure most of you know, Fox News is essentially the Republican news channel in the US uh, mm. and, and where they kind of start from which is the fact that he's talking about you know how a lot of the news is very left wing and he feels that they're they're missing the right wing voice and that's the audience that they should go for that was all sort of his idea it's surprisingly quite well balanced because it could very easily have been a very sort of left wing you know hollywood hit job on mm. uh, you know given the subject matter it seems to be reasonably well balanced they're not shying away from any of the bad stuff but it is also telling the story as, as well and just sort of gives you an overall intriguing look at, at sort of how the thing came to be what it is now um, okay. which is essentially a propaganda arm for Trump's presidency but it sort of shows how it kind of built to that point from where it kind of started from so it, it's sort of it is quite interesting um, how they've they've put it together the second episode deals quite a lot with 9-11 because they they've not been on air that long when 9-11 came out and how he sort of grabs that and twists it and actually goes on to help Bush I mean literally sort of phone calls between him and Bush's aides and stuff so Roger Ailes is the is the guy that was um, behind Fox at that point so yeah it, that's a really interesting show it's on uh, I think it's six parts it's on Sky Atlantic it's two parts in at the moment but it's all on Now TV and on Sky Catch Up if you want to go and catch that I've heard that there are some uh, there are some comments out there about the prosthetics not 
not being great or actually i've uh, not had a problem with that i i mean i'm sure some people maybe have said that but i think the prosthetic work is actually pretty decent i mean okay really you do forget that it's russell crowe into there you really do he doesn't come across as russell crowe at all you know so i i think he's doing a really good job he's interesting Uh and different and yeah no uh loudest voice that's called it's on as i say sky atlantic worth going to watch that the 100 came back for its sixth season finally uh that is now airing on e4 interesting opening episode because if you remember the end of the last season they'd all escaped earth and they'd all gone into a cryogenic sleep and then they were woken up by somebody saying uh, actually you've been asleep much longer than you thought you were because we were looking for a new planet because the earth is lost and this is the new planet so it's sort of it's a bit of a resetting back to them going down to a planet and exploring again and new issues and new problems so that's really good i enjoyed the first episode of that it's given us a nice bit of injection so we've got the whole of the season to go and then there i think there is one more season to come after that yeah. and i'm still working my way through the mcu which is i started re-watching the mcu right from the beginning i'm up to guardians of the galaxy in phase two so i've got oh, wow. good for you <laughs> i'm doing pretty well i've got <laughs> avengers age of ultron and ant-man to go out of phase two next it's interesting how tricky it is to find some of these without you know you are basically having to go and buy them they're not on any of the streaming services yeah uh, one what's going to happen next year with the the change in the streaming channels will they suddenly all be in a nice neat line for us i think yeah next year i suspect or whenever it is that disney plus launches over here yeah which is supposed to be sometime in the next couple of years i suspect that that's the reason why you can't find them on any of the other streaming services because they're just not allowing the licenses to be renewed i mm. think that is probably the case uh, so some of them are still on there but not all of them yeah guardians of the galaxy actually was it's on sky cinema at the moment so uh, i managed to pick that one up but some of the others like winter soldier i had to go and buy a copy of that um and uh, some of the earlier ones as well thor the dark world i think i had to buy a copy of which slightly pained me but <laughs> it's actually actually better better movie than i remember it being that um if you're watching it as part of a sort of set you know and it it's an interesting stepping stone in the in the whole kind of thing because it it got a lot of derision that film but actually it's it's better than i remember it being so uh, it's not as good as the later thor movies which i think are you yeah. know the third one which ragnarok i think is a great film but i'm enjoying are any, it are any of them that you are you watching for the very first time or are they all no. definitely watched them all no i have watched them all at at one point or another i have seen them all once already so it is more of me going back and revisiting and and seeing where the kind of changes come in and and where there is a slight alteration in sort of you know direction maybe for the mcu and i think it's when the russos take over which i think is winter soldier is the first one that they do and Mm. and it's when they start to get involved and ant-man as well where you get more of a kind of comedic element coming in or rather even guardians actually where obviously you You've got you've got a talking raccoon in there, so you know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's around this point where there is a kind of shift in direction for the uh, the films. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's nice to go back and just kind of rewatch that whole first phase and second phase and third phase again. So uh, yeah, I am enjoying my work through that. I advise people to go and do it. It's worth doing. Excellent. So that's the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> 
So TV and film news this week, we have some renewals and cancellations and pickups. We start off with a renewal uh, and also an ending because it is Grace and Frankie that has been renewed for a seventh and final season. Uh, Mm -hmm. That actually means we've got two seasons left because season six is coming in January 2020 and then there'll be another season in 2021. So we've got a bit of time. They've given fans quite a while to get used to the idea that it is coming to an end. And, you know, seven seasons is a great run. It'll actually be Netflix's longest running original series because people were questioning that going, well, didn't Orange is the New Black run for seven seasons? Yes, it did. But there are more episodes of Grace and Frankie. So, oh, because so oh, there wasn't there one random short season of um, yes. Orange is the New Black? Yeah, I think there was. So uh, yeah. so that is why that is why it, it's being hailed as the longest running Netflix original. It's a show I haven't actually gone and watched, but I know there's a lot of love out there for it so yeah, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan i'm a very big fan i'm trying to persuade a friend of mine to get into it but he was not convinced when he uh, tried <laughs> it he was like no he didn't find it funny i was like come on give it a couple more episodes and i think you'll really be into it so uh yeah i, I do enjoy that it's a very nice winter comedy i sort of see it um, yeah. when it comes out in january it's nice to binge yes yes definitely uh it is one that i think i will go and watch because i do like the people involved in that show so uh so i think it is one that I will sit down and binge my way through at some point. Few advanced air dates. Watchmen, the first season of that, uh, presumably it'll come back for more. <laughs> Hopefully it goes down well, given how much uh, anticipation there is for it. That is coming on the 21st of October to Sky Atlantic and Now TV. Uh, the exact time is to be confirmed, although I rather suspect they'll end up simulcasting it with the US because HBO are airing it at 9pm on the 20th of October. So if it is the 21st, that could mean a 2am and then to yeah. the t- PM showing which is what they did with Game of Thrones and stuff so I don't know that for a fact they've still got to give us a time but I suspect that will probably be the case yeah I'm very much looking forward to that another one that they've announced over on Amazon Jack Ryan that is coming back for a second season that will be the first of November on Amazon Prime that is coming out in the UK and worldwide so everybody gets that at the same time in fact we will get that before America because we have the first of November before they do don't we so technically yes we do <laughs> uh, so we get it a few hours before them so yes that will be released on the 1st of November as well also announced today War of the Worlds which is the BBC version of War of the Worlds not the one which is coming to Fox this is the the BBC kind of original version of the classic novel not the reimagining version which Fox are doing that War of the Worlds which is a limited series that's coming in autumn 2019 being the BBC they've been vague and won't give us a more direct date than that but autumn 2019 that is arriving they have said uh the fox one is due before the end of the year as well which is a sort of updated reimagined version of it and that's an american one but this is the first time i think they've done a war of the worlds with a with a sort of british twist to it so uh, yes quite looking forward to that Moving on to some bigger stories, Hulu apparently are in talks to adapt Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale sequel, The Testaments, which I wasn't even aware she was writing a second book, but uh, apparently she has, and uh, it is due out on the 10th of September. So um, on the day the podcast goes out, actually, that will be released, the actual novel itself. But they are in talks with Bruce Miller, who is the guy that is behind The Handmaid's Tale, the TV series. They're in talks with him about adapting this as a, as a 
a TV sequel as well. Okay. Have you been watching The Handmaid's Tale? I haven't, but I, I can just imagine there'll be a demand for this mm. um, because it's su- uh, such a hugely popular show. A lot of people talk about it. I, I missed the boat. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and I know probably from every appearance I have on here, I seem to be a person who, if I discover a show before it's hugely popular, I'll watch it. But if I do not discover it and it becomes hugely popular, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to watch it. So I did that with Game of Thrones and then a similar thing with Handmaid's Tale that everyone's talking about it. And I'm like, if I discovered that uh, when it was like a little, um, you know, sort of yeah. unknown, not many people watching it, because I did that with Line of Duty. I remember catching Line of Duty when it was like not really watched by many people. And then I carried it through with the, with the trend. But Handmaid's Tale, I do regret not watching it, but I think I'm too far gone now. Um, and there's just too many other things on my list. But the amount of people who talk about it and rave about it, I think that this would be very popular because they'll want to continue um, with the story. Is the current series due to end then? Is there, is no, it- not at the moment. But I think this is Hulu planning in, in the early stages of planning. that They haven't officially said Handmaid's Tale is due to end, but it is getting to a point where there's probably, in fact, I think we actually said we were talking with uh, Matt last week and we were sort of saying, I think one or two more seasons would do it. Um, mm. You know, so I think maybe you end up with, if this goes ahead, you end up with this being the next season being the final season of Handmaid's Tale and then this possibly taking over. But nothing is confirmed at the moment. I suspect they wouldn't want to do it with any overlap, but this seems like a good way of keeping the brand going without having to pay absorbent amounts of money to the uh, start of the current series. Yeah. Um, the Testaments, the novel, picks up 15 years after the end of the first novel. Uh, I won't say what happens at the end of the first novel, just in case people haven't read it and don't want it spoiled. This begins with the explosive testimonies of three female narrators from Gilead. Two have grown up as part of the first generation to come of age in the New Order. The third is a woman who willed power through the ruthless accumulation and deployment of secrets secrets apparently so uh, that's all we know about the book but we'll we'll have to see what happens and whether they they alter that in any way for the tv series maybe they want to bring some people across i don't know um okay. given there is a 15 year difference i suspect they probably won't but we'll we'll have to wait and see so it's not following the current cast in any way shape or form but it is set in gilead and it is a sort of moving forward of that so we'll we'll have to see uh but uh yeah i think that's kind of interesting they are only in early talks about it at the moment uh it may not come to anything but i think they are kind of agreed to the rights to it if they want it so we'll see okay there's a whole bunch of casting news this week so a bunch of different shows uh will polter who you might remember from black mirror bandersnatch he was also in the maze runner he's joined the lord of the Rings series on amazon um no idea what he's playing or who he's playing although if you've ever seen a picture of will polter and a picture of hugo weaving who played elrond th- there is a striking- there is similarity striking similarity between the two. You've just made me think of that. And I'm like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. So um, I I do wonder if they've cast him as a younger version of Elrond, because given, I mean, the the Lord of the Rings series is set thousands of years before, like, Frodo went wandering off to Mordor to drop a ring in a mountain. But 
Elrond has, has been around in all that time. He is thousands of years old. So he was around, uh, in fact, I think around the time this is set, he was founding Rivendell. So there is a real possibility you could have Elrond in this show and he will be a perfect fit for it. We mm. don't know whether that is the case and um, you know, it could be he's playing somebody else entirely. But I mean, there is a striking similarity between him and Hugo Weaving who played Elrond in the movies. And if they're casting based on the movie cast, that would seem like a definite possibility. But we'll have to yeah. wait and see. Oh. No idea of an air date for the Lord of the Rings series yet. They are still casting. Uh, the you know it, it's very secretive. All we know about it is it's set in the Second Age, and the Lord of the Rings movies are all set in the Third Age. So, like I say, thousands of years before. Uh, don't know much more about it for definite than that. Milo Ventimiglia has also got himself a new role on top of his role on This Is Us, and uh, you'll know him from Heroes and, and the Rocky movies and a million other things. Uh, he's playing 70s Daredevil Evil Knievel for a limited series on the USA Network. Uh, are you aware of Evil Knievel? I remember Evil Knievel. I, I do remember him. I heard of him uh, sort of like a stunt uh, motorcyclist, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. Yes. The, he had a, a very, very famous jump, particularly. I mean, he was basically a 70s motorcyclist daredevil there was a very particular historic jump over a place called snake river canyon um and it was him basically flying up a ramp and and jumping over the huge canyon uh and the tv show is a, a sort of rounded portrait of him but it's also about this particular jump as well they're, they're yeah. sort of that is the background to it which is kind of interesting i, I mean i can i can see him fitting into that role uh i i remember evil knievel from sort of the late 70s early 80s uh you know for as a very very small child i will point out a very small child i'm not that old uh, so yes i i do kind of remember evil knievel i think i probably had there was like a little toy bike that you had that you could kind of pull back and it and it kind of went up a ramp and stuff and fired off things i remember that as a kid so uh yeah i i think that's kind of inter interesting but uh, that's going to be a limited series for usa network that is doing that and over on The Boys, which is obviously coming back for a second season, we already know that. Um, mm -hmm. Eric Kripke, not one to leave somebody behind. His previous show, Timeless, we know very well got cancelled. Uh, Goran Visnich and Claudia Dormant, who were both stars in Timeless, they have now landed reoccurring roles on The Boys for the next series as well. Oh, brilliant. So uh, they're both going to be showing up. Goran is set to play the recurring role of Alistair Adana, who who is a charismatic and shadowy leader of a mysterious church. Claudia is going to play Victoria Newman, a young Wonder King Congresswoman, also in a recurring role as well. So they're actually going to be reunited with Malcolm Barrett, who played Rufus, who pops up in the first series as Vought's international press relations writer, Seth Reed. So um, it's actually going to have three of like the timeless people as well. On top of that, you've got Ada Cash joining, who was in Fussy Verdon. Uh, she takes takes the role of the hero, quote-unquote, Stormfront. And uh, Chantal Van Sanden, who was in Shooter and was in Flash, and also had a guest-starring role in Timeless as well. She plays Billy's wife, Becca. She's going to be popping up, possibly in Flashback. I don't want to give anything away from that. Uh, but she will be popping up in the second season as well. So, oh. yeah, interesting, interesting casting going for the, yeah. uh, for the boys. And I'm glad that, you know, Eric Kripke sounds like a 
like a brilliant, brilliant guy. And uh, I'm glad he's sort of just roping in, you know, friends and people he knows. And that's he likes stuff. people he works with. I like yeah. that section, Dave. A nice little section called Casting News. It could almost be another section. Yes, yes, it could be. <laughs> uh, moving on, there is a TV series based on Ursula Le Guin's Earthsea fantasy novels, which is in development. Uh, apologies if I butchered her name. Um, it is uh, the Earthsea books, which are a collection of five novels plus some short stories based in a rich fantasy land consisting of hundreds of islands. The first book, The Wizards of Earthsea, follows the story of Ged, the greatest sorcerer in all Earthsea, known as Sparrowhawk in his reckless youth. He was hungry for power and knowledge, but by tampering with long-held secrets, he unleashes a terrible shadow upon the world. Novel tells of how he redeems his mistake by mastering the mighty words of power, taming an ancient dragon and crossing death's threshold to restore the balance. Uh, The novel series tends to feature mainly people of colour as the main characters and has an emphasis on understanding human nature and the natural world and the delicate balance between the two. I don't really know the books particularly, but um, this sort of sounds like quite an interesting one as a sort of fantasy thing to jump into. Mm, I'm not, I mean, I've not heard of them before. Um, I'm just wondering, is is there an appetite for that? There possibly will be. Is there a note on the broadcaster or the developer or is it? No, uh, nothing on the broadcaster at the moment. Mm. It's not got a particular home. The production company is A20 and uh, it's Jennifer Fox, who is the Oscar nominated producer of Nightcrawler and Michael Clayton and the Bourne Legacy are the people behind it. There have been adaptations before. Uh, The BBC have actually done radio adaptations of the books. There was also an incredibly unpopular one that Sci-Fi did in 2004, which was an adaptation, I think, of the first book. Very unpopular, mainly because they whitewashed all the characters. And as I said, it is very well known for the fact that it's got people of colour in the main cast. So uh, that got them in quite a lot of trouble. Uh, Studio Ghibli also did an anime adaptation, which was very, very loosely based on the novels in 2006 as well. So there are a few versions kicking around, but this, I think, is the first time that the entire series has been together for adaptation in one place. The author has actually passed away now, but she apparently, just before she died, gave her blessing for them to be turned into a series of films. And that sort of morphed into being a TV series from that. Uh, with the blessing of the son of the author as well. So, you know, it is is sort of all above board. They're not stepping on anybody's toes. It sounds like, you know, and they are saying that, you know, they're very aware of the responsibility that they have with the property. So I think they're going to be fairly true to the books, I would have said, when they're dealing with it now. Mm. And lastly, on a slightly lighter note, CBS are developing a police procedural, which no change there. Uh, It's from the creator of Monk. It's based around Einstein. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, US version is developed by Monk and the good cop creator, Andy Breckman. Uh, it's based on a German series that has been out there, I think ran for three seasons before it was cancelled. It's the brilliant but directionless great-grandson of Albert Einstein. He's smart, smooth-talking, comfortably tenured professor, but when he gets into trouble with the law, he's pressed by the police to help a local detective to solve their most puzzling cases. 
it is essentially a cross between Instinct and Elementary. I mean, which are two shows which have just gone off the air, one being canned and the other one having run for like seven seasons and they've both yeah. just finished. So this is screams at being something they're trying to bring in as a replacement for it. We'll see whether it goes anywhere. They are only looking to develop it at the moment. We'll see whether it actually happens. I think that NBC tried something last year with the same property and decided against it. But if anybody's going to be able to pull this off, it's probably going to CBS because they got away with it with um, Sherlock. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I, I just did a little bit of research there to make sure that Einstein definitely could have great-grandchildren. And yes, he could. Okay. Uh, one, one of his children definitely did have further children. Mm. Um, I thought I'd do a little bit of genuine research there because I was like, is this possible? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, there is a German series out there of the same name that is uh, ran for three seasons. was based on a film. Apparently there was a film in 2015, a German film, which the, they based it off and then they, they had it running for three seasons. So, yeah, I mean, I quite like The Good Cop. The Good Cop was a show that ran on Netflix. It seemed very out of place for Netflix because uh, it was a very CBS procedural kind of show. That was quite good. I know Monk has quite a lot of fans. So Andy Breckman's probably the right person to be handling this. We'll have to see whether it actually goes anywhere. But yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's it. It is, it is in development. We'll see whether it goes any further. So that's all the news for this week. Let's move on to the interview. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The interview this week is with Mike Prestwood-Smith, who is a sound re-recording mixer. He'll explain a little bit about what that job is if you don't know when we start the interview. But uh, he worked on the recent movie Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. He's also worked on a huge, huge swathe of films from things like Captain Phillips. He worked on the recent live-action Aladdin movie, Dumbo. He worked on Mary Poppins Returns, so we talk a little bit about working on that. He worked on Fighting With My Family, Mission Impossible, Tomb Raider, The Danish Girl, Kingsman, a whole swathe of things. He also worked on Captain Phillips as well. Massive, massive amount of different films. He was a lovely, wonderful guy to talk to. And uh, if you're a fan of early 70s children's TV cartoons, uh, keep listening until the very end of the interview, because there was a little interesting tidbit that came out in that. Uh, So it's well worth listening here's the interview with mike we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv it's lovely to have you on and talk to you about your various well huge list of projects it's quite ridiculous your uh, back catalogue of stuff <laughs> i get starting to get a bit long now i remember looking at imdb years ago going god look at all those films that other people have done god they must have been doing it for ages and suddenly i'm looking at mine going oh i'm i'm one of those guys <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. i've been here i've been here a long time yeah i mean let's start off with a few basics first of all you're a re-recording mixer yeah. for people that haven't heard us interview somebody that did 
was your sort of job before. Do you want to just explain what you do? Yeah. So a real recording mixer, they usually work when certainly in movies, they, there's usually two of you. One takes care of music and dialogue and the other takes care of effects. And our role is to take all the tracks that Sound Editorial have created and Picture Editorial and basically balance them so that we get a good sounding movie at the end of it. It's it's like mixing a record, but with pictures. Uh, so there's lots of things similar to mixing music, but ultimately there's a whole story that has to be adhered to and understood. And, uh, you know, part of the job is is technical and, and a big part is finding a consensus amongst filmmakers and, uh, you know, driving it forward in that sense. I often compare it to midwifery <laughs> insofar as it's yours, a focus for everyone to go through a conduit in a way where everyone, yeah. everyone has to sort of go via that one point towards the end. And uh, when the film's born, it's sort of you hold it up and smack its ass and <laughs> off it goes. You know, it's a bit like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slightly crude way of putting it. <laughs> um, and uh, how did you get into it in the first place? Oh, lo- I can do a long version or a short version. Uh, I'll try this short one and see if it's enough. I studied in New York a long time ago and just went samplers and digital recording and everything were just sort of happening and uh, got a good knowledge of that and came back to the UK and started working for a commercial uh, company that was doing sound mixing for commercials. And I got into sound design and we got into samplers and started doing sound design with samplers and stuff. And then sort of trod the, the boards for on the, in the commercial world for a while, so, you know, two or three years doing commercials and then got into TV. And I kind of went through all sorts of things, recorded ADR and Foley and I did TV drama. And then uh, I got my, a gig at um, Delane Lee in 97 or 8, I think it was, as, uh, as an assistant mixer because I had a con- Console, a Harrison console that they just bought, and I kind of knew how to use it, and no one else did at that time. So I got <laughs> oh, the I there. Yeah, and uh, just started mixing films, smaller, lower budget films, and temp mixing, and, and doing short films and things there. And then got a big break in 2000 with Billy Elliot, which I very fortuitously landed on my lap, and um, I got that film. And then the phone sort of rang from that point onwards, really. And you know, I've been mixing films ever since, but I still keep my hand in, you know, doing music particularly because that's that's a love uh, that I've always had and I in fact I did a score for a movie a couple of years ago and continue to do little bits and pieces as I go along so I try and keep my hand in all sorts of things but ultimately film mixing does require a fairly continuous focus you know if you're going to stay in that market uh, it's quite a small little world so uh, yeah you have to kind of keep on top of it yeah yeah absolutely I mean the fact that you uh, you do music as well has probably served you quite well certainly recently I mean Rocket Man being the, the thing that you've most recently done mm. how was that to get involved with and you're dealing with Elton John of all yeah. people was it Elton particularly involved in that process he seems like the sort of person that would get quite involved with something like that well you would have thought so I mean I think he he very graciously decided to be very vocal in who was going to be doing the film and how the film would be I'm sure he was very involved in the script and and all that stuff but once Taron was on board and I think he was very Elton was very keen to make sure that whoever was going to do that part was going to do it all in with singing and acting and everything and I agree with him a more compelling complete performance so once once all the pieces were in place he was amazingly hands off I think he was quite keen to not meddle too much with it and um, to let 
Dexter and, and all the filmmakers and actors really bring their version to the fore. I think he was keen for it to be as impartial in the, in the process as possible, which I think was very wise because I think one of the problems with, with biopics, especially musical ones, is that they can get a bit too sort of cloying for approval and, uh, mm. you know, they can they can wash the truth a little bit too cleanly too. And I think what what, what Eldon was keen to portray was the reality of, of what his, his experiences in life and in the industry and his addiction and, and, you know, all the things, the difficult things that he went through. I think he was keen for that to be very much a part of this film. And I think it's what makes the film as compelling and powerful and as different as it is, is that it just feels absolutely genuine. And I think I think Taron really embodies that sense of what's genuine because he just brings an absolutely genuine performance to the fore. And, uh, you know, I think thank Dan to Elton and everybody, really, that, that that's the way it worked out. Yeah, I mean, Taron, an incredible job from him and really amazing performances and I mean he's been doing it on stage with Elton since then as well yeah. um, had he actually Simon filmed before yeah he did a, he was uh, one of the characters in Sing I think a musical he did right. and I think he may have even done an Elton number in Sing actually mm. uh, <laughs> which could have been why people <laughs> went oh hang on a minute he's you know he can actually sing um, I remember early on we were mixing Kingsman uh, The Last Kingsman with Matthew Vaughan who's a producer on the film right. at that time they were negotiating this film it was in development but very close to going into production and um, they were doing the deal with Taron. I remember the sort of toings and froings going on in the background. And, uh, you know, at that time, I remember him going in to Abbey Road to to go to go and sit with Giles Martin to do all the tests and stuff. And uh, I remember the palpable air of excitement that came in the day after he'd been there because everyone was just sort of blown away with how great he sounded and, you know, how great he was going to be. I remember it being a kind of moment, even though I had no idea about really what the film was going to be at that point. I remember everyone thinking, wow, this is going to be something special because he really did sort of blow everyone away, on, you know, in his first test uh, recordings. He's got an amazing voice mm. you know, it's a welsh thing i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah quite possibly <laughs> yeah he's not the only person that that sings in the film is he so were there sort of any reluctant people that were watching? well i have to be a little bit cautious about this because I, I did say something in an interview recently about rich madden <laughs> I, heard, and I, thought it, I read it and went oh i shouldn't have said that um i heard so it didn't come from me that richard was wasn't entirely keen on doing a vocal i think when he realized he was it was like not reluctantly but i think he was cautious about uh, yeah about how much of that he was going to have to do. Having said that, the, the songs he does, Honky Cat in particular, is just, uh, you know, wonderful. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone did a bad job. I think everyone did a great job in it. And a lot of it was uh, live and some of it was pre-recorded. And, you know, I think the performances really stand up, all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, for you, what was the most challenging thing on the movie? Well, I guess there's a couple of things, really. I mean, firstly, the story is very much told through the songs. So the vocal of the songs does a lot of the narrative lifting and even though the songs are not in any way chronological, they're, they're, they're all doing narrative work. So getting clarity on the vocal and making it a very clear storytelling leading component of the film was a challenge insofar as, you, you know, mixing any sort of vocal with music. But, but if you're going to add all sorts of other things in there as well, getting that sort of clarity through is complex. You know, there's a lot of, lot of work to kind of shape the sounds around that to make it feel effortlessly sort of intelligible, really. And not only that, but you're taking taking vocal components from all sorts of places, you know, live, pre-recorded, post-recorded, you know, all sorts of things. So making that feel integrated with the performance and having it really stick to the screen uh, is actually a really crafty sort of sleight of hand. You know, there's a lot of mixing work required to kind of to help the, 
the viewers feel like this is actually happening and it's real. So a lot of that, the challenge in any musical, I think, is making it feel like it's an actual performance that you're witnessing and it's yeah. all real and it's all happening. And I guess concurrently with that, finding a layer and finding it's quite a subjective layer of reality to help sell that idea is finding the consensus of what that should be in any given moment is is quite difficult because it's a fantasy, this movie. And so a fantasy is by definition a, a very subjective sort of thing. And so finding what that consensus was kind of song by song was, you know, a trial and error thing. And, and we did we did kind of come across a fairly clear route through. Dexter was very pragmatic about what he liked and didn't. And so that that, that made it a lot easier. And, and, and really all the filmmakers were. But just finding that, you know, sifting through all the bits that were created for the film or, you know, our sound designer, Matt Collins and our supervisors, Danny, you know, did a lot of work. And a lot of that sound with a big score and a big sort of musical component, a lot of those sounds didn't get through. Um, and it really is like with any of these things it's a lot of it is is actually subtractive you know choosing what you the bits that you want to hear at any given moment rather than trying to fit everything in mm. and so like with any mix that's that's probably the biggest component but with a musical and with such sort of dense sections that we have getting the right components to read at any moment you know was uh, is a challenge definitely it's, uh, it's that's what it's all about yeah there's there's nothing worse when you're watching that sort of film and it seems really obvious that the vocal isn't attached to what they're doing live on screen it really stands out so it, that's yeah. such a balancing act yeah it is really because also such a sort of particular aesthetic that for me I really want to believe every single word you know uh, and yet there's sometimes there's a moment where you let go of reality and the, and the song sort of transcends that. Yeah. And then you're into a slightly different territory where the sound pressure levels of the vocal aren't necessarily looking quite how they're performed on screen. And so there's always this sort of compromise of finding the most dynamic sort of sounding track you can and yet adhering to the performance. I guess that's the balancing act, yeah. Yeah. Is there one section of the movie you're you're particularly proud of? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah well, there's a, quite a few, I think. <laughs> I think um, one of the ones I think works really well is Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. It's quite an early piece and it's certainly one of the most complex. And also it's a, there's a big narrative device in it where um, we go from a child version of Elton to a the grown-up version of Elton with Tyrone. Right. So, and so there's a sort of conceit built in, which is, you know, a hurdle that you've got to get over already. But not only that, the whole song is set to one continuous shot that sort of has a lot of dense action going on in it, you know, street brawls and a carnival and um, and a pub brawl and stuff. And so getting the feeling of a layer of reality with that and yet having this big super dynamic sort of track with a vocal telling us the story at the same time is definitely, it was quite a few go-rounds to get that feeling like it was right and actually the go-rounds were mostly subtractive you start off trying to get everything in and then you keep going back and going oh we don't need that we don't need that we don't know what, what's the story telling us here and you slowly subtract away until you've got the bits that that you need and uh, as a complicated and time-consuming process but when you see the end result I always feel this as a viewer watching other people in other films that I haven't worked on if you're not dissecting it if you're not getting taken out of the story then basically the job's been done and if you're not getting taken out of the story that's as dynamic and as, as, as sort of fanciful as that and with, a, with so much being told to you through s sort of music uh, if you're not getting bumped then, then something's really working you know yeah. and for me that song really does do a great job of that and so yeah particularly proud of that but there are others but that, that one in particular I think is great This isn't the only musical you've been working on recently I mean, you've done Dumbo, Aladdin, uh, Mary Poppins. 
or, or, yes. for, or for the mouse movies. Uh, yeah. Is there a particular amount of pressure when you're approaching something like, a, particularly something like Aladdin and Mary Poppins, which mm. are such beloved things and you're kind of creating new versions of them? Yeah. Does that add an extra layer of pressure to you over certain other films? Yeah, interesting. The pressure is nearly always down to filmmakers, the people you're with, the filmmakers you're working with. Mm. You know, I think you can be working on the biggest blockbuster on the planet and if, if everyone's relaxed about it then the pressure sort of eases you know so that's a component but I would say Mary Poppins was uh, uh, you know Rob Marshall is a wonderful wonderful director and he embodied that, that film with so much charm and um, wonder and I remember watching it the first time kind of slightly terrified that it was just so beautiful and lovely and so so well done and, and Rob's one of these guys that basically invites you to bring your a-game anyway and it's just what he does and uh, and so I remember thinking that there was hallowed ground you know there there's no question you know that mm. that movie hadn't been it'd been tried to make that movie a few times and it's never and it hadn't happened and suddenly there was this wonderful new version of it that I felt and the songs that were had been written for it were just great and I remember feeling like this is we've got to do this one absolutely you know this has yeah. just got to be timeless you know and so I suppose you're kind of feeling like you really got to do it justice uh, you know I I couldn't say that that's not the case with all of the films I've worked on really I, I, I don't want to sound like oh I'm, I'm trying to do you know the, the, the but ultimately i'm trying to do the best job on every film i can but of course, yeah. i guess when it when it's something as as hallowed ground as pop mary poppins then there is that slightly added factor of i guess the pressure comes on a bit with that yeah it's <laughs> um, <laughs> a good question we spoke with matt johnson who is the vfx supervisor on mary poppins mm. uh, he talked a bit about the problems when they were filming it of having to sort of turn very very sunny days into very overcast days and at the end sort of having to do the opposite is right. there a sort of sound department equivalent of having to make sort of a almost complete 180 switch on something <laughs> well um i suppose with mary poppins and aladdin and and all the musicals i've done recently um uh, rocket man as, as well there's a whole pre-record done before the film gets shot which usually our actors will will lip sync to on stage either in in ears or sometimes on speakers on mary poppins the rob liked to have the playback going across on speakers so that i think other characters could hear it and it was i sort of gave it more of a live feel mm. and I think I think we did it a couple of times on Rocketman as well actually and so what happens is you end up with a sort of pretty mucky live track that really has got all this stuff on it that you've got to try and get out and often if you're trying to salvage a live performance and in both of those movies there was quite a lot of live performance in and out trying to get that all to feel like it's one sunny day <laughs> you know <laughs> rather than one a bit, a bit of a cloudy day a bit of a sunny day uh, that's a, that's definitely a sound equivalent of that just matching everything in to make it feel like one continuous performance there was um, a scene early on in um, Mary Poppins when Ben Whishaw is in the attic and he sings um, the first one he did to camera and uh, it was a lovely lovely song very very subtle we w we kind of went line by line in and out of live back to production back to live back to production again it was very it was like an embroidery that we kind of put together and it was quite complex because he's moving around this sort of attic space so it had a lot of natural sort of perspectives and things on it and getting that all to work I remember that was a real challenge and actually the other thing is with that particular film um, Rob likes to put his film together with a temp score that's written for the film and when I say temp score I don't mean sort of just knock it out on a computer I mean a proper recorded score that's you know we've got musicians in a room wow. so, he so he records the orchestra and all the pieces first of all puts the film together and we sort of chop our way through that score 
And then once the film is sort of distilled and sort of crystallized to its glorious completion, he goes and then records it all again with a, another with another orchestra. But this time, obviously, all the joins are part of the performance, so it plays a lot better. And generally speaking, that's the, that's the orchestra that we use. But, of course, as with all these things, often things get loved uh, <laughs> over time. And uh, so we went backwards and forwards with old score and new score, sometimes bar by bar, you know. And so <laughs> trying to manipulate 120 tracks of orchestra, not just from mixing, but editorially speaking, back and forth with a vocal that's kind of flying around between live and pre-record and all that. It's a complicated task, logistically, but or and creatively to get that to get that all to feel seamless. And um, I'd like to think we, we did it, yeah. 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 So what have you got coming up next? Is there anything you could talk about? Yeah, I think I'm going to be doing Guy Ritchie's next film, uh, which I think is now called The Gentleman. I think it was called Tough Guys for a bit. Uh, that's quite soon. And then um, I'm doing another Disney film called The One and Only Ivan, which is a looks really interesting. It's a, a lovely story about a gorilla kept in a shopping mall in the States. <laughs> but it's an, it's, a, it's it was, it was a great book, I think. And uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting movie, but that's towards the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, cool. I, think, I mean, you know, things change, but hopefully those two are happening. Cool, that's good. And the last two questions that we always ask everybody. First thing would be what TV shows are are you watching at the moment? I just finished The Years and Years, which was bloody brilliant, I thought. So, uh, yeah. I've been told that, yes. I haven't started it yet. I'm kind of working my way up to it because I'm told it's somewhat brutal as well. So. It, it really is, but it's terrifying but brilliant. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Yes, I'm still working up to that. I, I will get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which TV show would it be? Um, Mr. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That's a wonderful choice. <laughs> I would love to see a live action version of Mr. Ben. I'm amazed nobody's well, gone to it yet. Careful what you wish for. I think uh, it might be on its way. Really? Wow. Yeah. That would be, uh, yeah, that would be brilliant. I loved Will that you? show when I was a kid. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was one of those formative things that snuck into your subconscious and stayed there forever. And so many actors I speak to and stuff say it's one of their favourite things and it really helps shape their minds and things. You know, it's one of those. Yeah. It's such a natural thing to work on live action as well because it's you know it's a guy that kind of basically goes and can be anything in any episode it's just it's yeah. wonderful you know it's coming i can tell you that fairly confidently awesome i will yeah. keep an eye out for that <laughs> okay fabulous well it's been lovely chatting great good luck with the uh, the new projects the upcoming projects i hope they all Thank go well and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on at some point and we can Love to. talk yeah. about that thanks thanks very much for some great questions no uh, problem talk to you soon cheers cheers bye. bye so that was the interview with mike presswood smith hope you enjoyed that rocket man is released on to uh, amazon prime and other streaming services on the 14th of september September. You can also get it on Blu-ray and DVD on the 30th September at the end of the month. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Here's some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We have uh, the much anticipated The Island, which we've been talking about for a while. Uh, that's I hyphen land, because why not? Um, <laughs> Netflix, 12th of September, that arrives. Uh, this is the show about people waking up on an island with no memory of who they are or how they got there. It seems from the trailers that they're in some sort of virtual environment and they're maybe being guinea pigs or something. Stars Kate Bodsworth, Natalie Martinez and Alex Pettifer are off three of the stars of it um, it's a big ensemble cast looks like it could be an interesting one to go and watch it's sort of kind of a bit lost like ish with a bit of sort of the matrix thrown in over
over the top by the sounds of it. Uh, so that looks like it could be kind of interesting. Uh, 12th of September for that. The Ranch, season four or part seven, depending how you're counting. That's on the 13th of September on Netflix, which seems Aston Kutcher, Sam Elliott, and Eliza Cuspert, and the rest all turn back for the next part of that series. I think that's possibly the final bit as well. So that is coming. Temple, which comes to Sky One, that is on the 13th of September at 10 p.m. This stars Mark Strong, Daniel Mays in a darkly comedic thriller about an illegal clinic in the abandoned subterranean network of tunnels underneath London. Uh, we've posted some trailers for this. It looks like it could be quite good. And Mark Strong as a lead is always worth watching. So that is out there um, from the 13th of September on Sky One. Worth going to watch. And uh, Top Boy returns for its third season after a very, very long break from it being on Channel 4. This is coming to Netflix on the 13th of September as well, uh, which sees the cast return to uh, East London and uh, more drug dealing stuff going on. So uh, that is back. And uh, I think you can get the first two seasons of Top Boy on Netflix as well if you want to go and catch up first. So that is everything for this week, unless you've got anything else. No, I mean, it's quite quiet, but we are getting closer to October and we know what October means with those uh, highlights for next week on TV lists. They just get longer and longer. (laughs) Yes, October is going to be mental because the amount of stuff coming back is going to get more and more insane over the next couple of months, Uh, probably through like September, end of September, October, November. It is going to be crazy with the amount of stuff coming out. And then we've got a little break over Christmas, and then January it all starts yeah. off again. So, and they all start coming back as well. The yeah, seasons and things like that. I can't wait. I love it every year. Yes, me too. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so we'll have to see what what gets picked up and what disappears, and you know, because things start arriving back on US networks from about mid September, and then we start getting them towards the end of October. Usually, we're about a month behind because they have to leave a gap because of all the breaks that the US have in the networks. So. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Then go onto Twitter and follow at Grey the Geek. I have been incredibly quiet and I'm going to make a real effort to be tweeting a little bit more. Um, so please come and follow me. Come and have a conversation with me about what things you're watching and I can try and get involved a little bit more. Now I've got some free time, Dave. I've got yes. free time. <laughs> awesome. Um, for us, of course, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find Find us at Geek Town on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geek Town, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geek Town, and on Instagram at Geek Town UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.